0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Rolling Hills Online. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you're joining us today. In addition to our online campus, we have two physical locations in Franklin and Nolensville. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you in person. If this is your first time joining us, we would like to invite you to check out our New Here page at rollinghillscommunity.org. Here, you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and what to expect when worshiping with us. If you've been with us before and want to find out how to get involved, please visit our next steps page. This is where you can learn more about baptism, partnership, missions, community groups, and more. If you're joining us live, we encourage you to jump into our chat. This is a great way to connect with our online community and further discuss today's message. In addition to the chat feature, you will find today's sermon notes and a link to the Bible so that you can follow along. Have something that you would like for us to pray with you about? Click the prayer request link at the bottom of the page. We would be honored to join you in prayer this week. If you feel called to partner with us financially, you can give online through the giving page of our website. Your support allows us to continue this opportunity to share the message of Christ around the world. So thank you. Again, welcome to Rolling Hills. We hope that you feel at home. Made in your likeness. We are united. Whole. We are found in you, one love, one spirit, one mindset. Your word is our truth.
1: This morning we're beginning this brand new series called Wholehearted. I'm so excited about this series because this is the way God calls us to live. Calls us to live Wholehearted. And if you think back through history, the people who really make a difference in this world are the people who are wholehearted. They're totally committed. And you can think through different disciplines, different um, areas of life, and whether it's athletics or whether it's music or, or whether it's technology or whatever it is, the people who are just fully committed, the people who are so passionate and really dialed in, they don't quit, they don't stop, they don't back up, they don't back away, they stay true. To that calling, and they make a huge impact and a huge difference. And I think so often in our world, we kind of settle for a halfway, right? I think the opposite of wholehearted, it's not no-hearted, Every person has a heart, right? It's halfhearted. It's how we live. And yet the world kind of sells us this and goes, oh, just go partially in. And, and we know people like that, right? We know people who have so much potential, and, and maybe it's a friend, or maybe it's a child, or maybe it's a coworker, or somebody, and you just go... Oh, you have so much potential. You can do great things. Come on. And and you watch as they just kind of live life. And you're like, oh, your opportunity is there. Everything is there for you. You know, strive for whatever God's called you to do. And the call for us is to live this kind of life, to live passionately in love with Jesus. A lot of people, what they do, though, is they treat the Christian life kind of like a Costco membership, right? I'm going to show up when I need something, and I'm going to get my 200 rolls of toilet paper, and, and then when I come back, you know, in two years, whenever it runs out and I have another need, then I'll come back to God. Or some people treat their relationship with God kind of like a YMCA membership, right? I, I get the membership, and then I'm really fired up for about a month, and I feel better about myself. I feel healthy. Um, but then, you know, other things happen, and distractions come, and next thing you know, they just kind of fall away. Or some people, like, it's like, a fine dining place, right? And I go and, and it's like where we go for birthdays or anniversaries. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really nourish me. I mean, I love being there, but, but I need that consistency. And God's going, oh, you be wholehearted. You be fully committed and fully engaged. And that's where the Christian life comes alive. That's where we flourish. But I think there's two things that keep us from living that way. Number one, I think, is just focus, right? I mean, there's so many things that the world is throwing at us and we live in this time and this society. It just seems like there's all kinds of things that are going on around us and so we get caught up in that and we just miss out. But, and the second thing, I think, is fear. You know, it's fear. We get afraid. Like, if I truly commit, if I go all in with Jesus, if he's in control and I'm not, <laughs> you know, if he is the one calling the shots and I'm not, How's that going to play out, you know? And so we back off a little bit and we kind of live afraid. And yet God's going, no, 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 no. Don't live afraid. Live in faith. Live in faith and live for me. Because that's when you are fully alive. Our our memory verse in this series is going to be from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And we're going to put it up on the screen. And let's, let's say this together. You ready? One, two, three. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. All right, that's pretty simple to memorize, right? We can do this. We can memorize this. But this is our memory verse. Why? Because Jesus was wholehearted. (laughs) Jesus was all in, right? Not my will, but your will, God, be done. I'm going to lay it all on the line. And Jesus changed the world and changed our hearts and changed our lives. In our series, we're going to be studying the book of Philippians. And I love this book, i got to tell you. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. And we're just going to unpack the Word of God. So this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to live the Christian life wholehearted. And we're going to study Philippians chapter 1. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, let's get to work. Pull it out with me and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, all talking about Jesus. And wow, wasn't that last series great? I mean, we talked about Jesus, and we just talked about being eternal and sovereign and teacher and healer and provider, redeemer and king of our lives. And man, it was so good. And so now we're digging in to Philippians. So you have the Gospels, then you've got Acts and the early church, and then Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So we're right here in Philippians. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a free Bible for you in the back. If you have a mobile device, you can uh, access the scriptures and follow along with us. Also, we will put the words on the screen. If you want to take notes, take notes. We've got a place in your worship guide. You can write some of those notes down or like underline in your Bible. It's great to take notes. I always have notes in my Bible, my study Bible. It's so good to come back to All right. So Philippians, and let's pick up here in verse 1. We're going to be in chapter 1 today. So verse 1 says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, let's stop right there, okay? Because... Here's, we got to identify who is writing this. And who's writing this is the Apostle Paul, all right? And also his apprentice, who's Timothy. And and so Paul and Timothy, and and they are servants in Christ Jesus. Now, what do we know about Paul? Who is Paul? Well, let's go back a little bit. His real name was Saul, okay? And he was, Saul, we see in Acts chapter 7, Saul was a Pharisee. You remember how Jesus had some kind of harsh words for the Pharisees? He was a religious leader back in Acts chapter 7. He was, uh, you know, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He studied under a guy named Gamaliel, who was like the famous Jewish rabbi. So this Saul had all kinds of education. He knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. He was wealthy. He was a lawyer. He was successful, you know. And, And so then, right, Jesus is resurrected. The early church starts to grow. And Saul took it on himself to say, hey, I've got to stop this movement. Remember, Jesus was kind of rough on us, and so I'm going to stop the early church. And so he's kind of on this mission to stop what God's doing. And you may remember in Acts chapter 8, there was a guy named Stephen. Uh, In the early church, there were uh, leaders like deacons. There were men who were called and who are called out to serve the church. We have those here at our church called uh, A6, Acts chapter 6 guys. And there's about 60 men who serve you guys. They pray through all the prayer requests. They're amazing men. Well, there was a guy, Stephen, and he stood up and started talking about Jesus. And, and some of these religious leaders, they took him out and they began to stone him. Like throw rocks till they killed him kind of thing. And Saul's there giving approval to it all. And then we know that Saul goes on this kind of, hunt to to squelch the church and he's on the road to Damascus one day and you go read Acts chapter nine and all of a sudden on the road to Damascus taking some soldiers with him to stop the church there in Damascus Jesus shows up and Jesus meets Saul there on the road to Damascus and Saul falls on his face before Jesus and just commits his life to Jesus like I'm I'm all in I'm following you. And God changes his name to Paul. He becomes the Apostle Paul, writes over half the New Testament. So that's this guy. Now, Paul's writing this letter from prison, okay? He's writing this letter from prison. He's in prison in Rome, probably around A.D. 61. And he's been going on mission trips, sharing the gospel, planting churches. He's arrested, and he's in prison, and he's writing this letter. And I love how he identifies himself. Right, Paul and Timothy, and then what does he say? Here's who I am, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. You know how we introduce ourselves a lot, we'll say, hi, I'm Jeff, and then we kind of say what we do, right? I'm a pastor, or hi, I'm Jeff, and I'm, you know, Grace's dad, or, you know, I'm Mabry's dad, or Kate's dad, we kind of identify ourselves by our kids, or I am Jeff, and we always kind of do that, right? But how does he identify himself? Hi, I'm Paul, and Timothy, and we're just servants of Christ Jesus. That's what we do. Uh, We just serve him. We just go around and say, God, what's your agenda for today? We're just going to serve you. How cool would that be just to wake up every morning and go, hey, I'm a servant of Christ today. That's what I am. That's what I'm going to do. Whatever God you have for me, that's the way I'm going to live. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, that's who writes this. And he's writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. Now, the word saints, if you go back and study the Greek, it it really means set apart. It means holy. And, And who he's writing to is the church. The church in Greek, ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones who are set apart. So he's writing to the church in Christ Jesus at Philippi. So he's writing to this church at Philippi. Now, Philippi was a strategic city. It was a Roman colony. There wasn't a Jewish synagogue there. And it sat on the mountain range between, that divided Europe and Asia. And it was right in this pass. And so if you were going to Europe to Asia, you went through Philippi. So it was a wealthy city, a successful city, strategic city back in this day. And the Apostle Paul had gone there and planted a church. Now, I want to show you a map, just so you can get some frame of reference here. Uh, You can see Jerusalem down here, where Jesus was crucified for our sins and resurrected, conquering death And then the gospel began to spread, right? And spread up north. So you could see where Philippi is. And the Apostle Paul wasn't actually going there. He was going on a different place on a second missionary journey. And then the Holy Spirit said, hey, no, come over here. He saw a man like saying, hey, come to Macedonia. So he goes to Philippi. Now he's in prison in Rome. All right, so you kind of get the frame of reference here. So he's in prison in Rome, riding back to the church in Philippi. Now, now, let me tell you about the church of Philippi. Okay. Acts chapter 16. You can read more about it. But when Paul goes there on a mission trip, no church, no believers there. And he goes there and he meets a woman named Lydia who was a dealer in purple cloth. She was successful. She had a business. She was running. She was kind of upper class, Roman colony. And she gives her life to Christ. And so Paul goes to her house. Her whole family is baptized. And, and so I mean, it's exciting, right? Then he's out one day, and there's a slave girl that's following him. And, and uh, her owners were upset because Paul cast a demon out of her. And the owners were mad because they couldn't make any money off of her anymore. So they cast her out. So she becomes a part of the church. Then one night, you may remember this story. It's pretty awesome. But Paul and Silas are in jail in Philippi. And they've been beaten And instead of just sitting there in jail going, God, why me? You know, they're worshiping. They're singing worship songs. And at midnight, in the middle of the night, all the prisoners are listening. All of a sudden, God shows up. And an earthquake happens and the prison doors fly open. And the Roman jailer pulls his sword. He's getting ready to kill himself because he knows if any of the prisoners escape, right, he dies. And he's like, "Uh, I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to die the way the Romans are going to kill me. So I'm just going to take my life right here. And Paul goes, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. We're all here. We haven't gone anywhere. And he falls on his knees and goes, tell me about your God. I I want to know that God. And So Paul goes, all right, I will. And the, the jailer takes him in the middle of the night back to his house, bandages his wounds. Paul leads his whole family to Christ. So all of them are baptized, Right. So how amazing that the church in Philippi, you've got upper class, you've got this middle class, Roman soldier, jailer guy and his whole family, and then you have this kind of lower class down here with this slave girl. But where else in the world would this class all come together but the church, right? I mean, they were all united in Christ. You don't see that in history anywhere else, And I want to tell you, I love that. I love that the church is a place where it's not about socioeconomic status or race or gender or political party. We are united in Christ and in Christ alone. And that's, man, that's just awesome. So Paul's writing this church and he loves this church. I'm telling you, he loves this church and he writes them and he says, hold on, he gives them a greeting. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Now, this is so distinctively Christian, right? Grace, the grace of God, the grace of God, because we were dead in our sins and our transgressions until God made us alive in Christ. But then also the peace of God, the peace to live life in peace, knowing that God is for us, that God is with us. Hey, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Man, God is with me. So the grace and peace of Christ to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now guys, Philippians is basically a thank you letter. I mean, it is a thank you letter to a church that has prayed for Paul, that's encouraged him, that has helped him on the missionary journey, that has given generously, that's invested in God's work. And he's like, well, I'm in prison, don't have a lot else to do, you know. So here's what I'll do, I'll write and I'm going to write a thank you note to this church that I just love. I love, I love, I love them. Do you know there's power in a note, isn't there? I mean, we live in a society where it's all about Snapchat and Twitter, you know, 140 characters or texting. And, you know, it's fine to, you know, get information out quick. But, but there's power when you get a note from somebody. You know what I'm saying? It, and somebody wrote, writes a handwritten note, or somebody takes the time to you know, send you an email, and, and you just hold on to it, and you're just like, wow. I mean, I still have notes that, that people have written to me over the years, and I just, you just it's like, man, it's like, a, it's like a treasure. And maybe you, you've, you've got a note, maybe a, a parent wrote to you, or maybe a teacher, or maybe a boss, and, and they just said, You're doing a great job. I believe in you. God's got a plan for you. And man, you just hold on to that, don't you? I mean, that just is life-giving. And Paul sits here and he just goes, hey, I just want to write you and say thank you. And I think for all of us, man, that we don't get so busy that we miss that, that we have the opportunity to pour into others, that we have the opportunity to, to share the love of Christ with others and the difference that we can make. And so Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now, the theme of Philippians is joy, okay, (laughs) which is amazing. Sixteen times Paul uses the word joy. And I'm thinking if I was in prison, I would be kind of going, really, God? I mean, trying to serve you, you know. But Paul's like, okay, God's got a bigger plan. God's got a purpose. And he was still filled with joy despite his circumstances, despite where he was. Hey, listen, I want to tell you, I'm filled with joy. Paul loved the church and he was all passionate about what God was doing there. So he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Now I got to stop there again. Because, you know, I got to tell you, a lot of times um, there's churches that you go to, they say, hey, you can be a member of the church. And I think that is so important. And we here at Rolling Hills, we say, hey, join the church because Jesus is coming back for his church. But we call people partners. And it's okay to be a member, but a lot of times you think about a country club and, you know, you're a member of a country club and it's what the people can do for you, you know. But when you're a partner, you've got responsibility, right? You're supposed to do, you engage, you lock arms, you use your gifts. And he says, church, that's what we're in. We're in a partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's like, I remember you, Lydia. (laughs) Hey, hey, jailer, you remember that night when God just opened? I remember that from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's like, church, God's not finished with us. God's still writing a bigger story. God still has more things to do. You know, these three verses, these are the verses I pray for you. I love you, church. I mean, I really do. I love what God's doing here at Rolling Hills. And and I just pray that. I thank my God every time I remember you. And and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I think back 14 years ago when God planted Rolling Hills and there were 15 of us meeting in an apartment clubhouse. And think about just, you know, that, that group. And then how God, over time, has brought people from all over the country And many from all over the world. And God's brought people who've been here 14 years. And God's brought people who've been here one week. And God is just bringing us together as the body of Christ in our day, in our generation. To lock arms and to advance the gospel in our day. And I just get excited about that. That God has started something, but God's not finished with it. That He who began a good work in you personally... And many of you, I mean, we've seen you accept Christ. We've seen you take that step of faith or obedience and watched you be baptized and take that step. And then watched many of you get married and have children and see your children being baptized. And he who began a good work in you is going to carry that on to completion. That God's not finished with you. That God's still working in you. God's still got a plan for you. And God's still got a plan for us it's bigger than we can imagine. It's bigger than we can dream. And Paul goes, hey, I'm so excited to be a part of that. And I'm going to tell you, I'm so excited today to be a part of this. This work of God, this movement of Him. Paul says, hey, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of of Christ Jesus. This is Paul's most personal letter. You notice all the personal pronouns, right? I, my God, you know, he's just like pouring it out to this church. And then he says, and, he, and listen, verse 9, and this is my prayer. Paul goes, you know, I got a lot of time over here, I can write you a letter and I can pray for you. And here's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. He's saying, church, I'm praying for you to grow deeper in love. Do do you know, church, that the defining characteristic of a Christian is love? I mean, Jesus said, right? Jesus said the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, wholehearted, all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love God. Others. That's the call for us. That's what we're supposed to be like. Jesus told his disciples, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. If you have great Bible studies, that's important. But if you have great worship, that's important. But Jesus said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So what distinguishes the church from the world is the way that we love each other. The way that we care about each other. Uh, do you know, like generations earlier, you know, men were always supposed to be just kind of tough and macho. And, you know, you never said I love you to anybody. You were just supposed to kind of, you know, you're a man, right? You're a man, you know. And, and I think the impact that that's carried on through generations. And I still think men ought to be manly today, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's important. But, but as a spiritual leader, it's also important for us as men To be the ones to say, hey, I love you. To say I love you to our spouse. To say I love you to our kids, to our grandkids, to one another. See, that's spiritual leadership. Hey, I care about you. I believe in you. I see potential in you. And I'm not just going to stand back here and just be all strong and tough and kind of put you at arm's length. No, 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 no. I'm going to engage like Jesus engaged. I'm going to have the same attitude of Christ. And there's something about when you and I grow deeper in our love. And he says, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And here's what love does. Love always leads to knowledge. Right? Because if, if you love something, you're going to want to know more about it. Remember when you first were dating? It, 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 maybe you just wanted to know more about that person. You you were just in love. You're like, tell me where you grew up. You know, tell me what your favorite thing is. Tell me what your favorite, you you, you wanted to know, right? It led to knowledge. If you love cooking, you want to know more about it. How does this work? How does this go? If, If you love your job, you want to know more about it. I want to get better. I want to know more. And when you love God, you want to know him more, right? The more you fall in love with him, the more you're like, I want to read. I want to study, and so Paul's saying, I want your love to grow. I want it to abound in knowledge and depth of insight. So, so what? what is, so that this, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Look at that last phrase, to the glory and praise of God. The Christian aim is that we would bring glory to God. You want to know what your goal in life is? Bring glory to God. Here at Rolling Hills, man, our mission statement says, Rolling Hills Community Church exists to bring glory to God. that's, That's what it is for us, for you, for me to bring glory to Him. So Paul goes on and says, now, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That word advance in the Greek, "prokoke" is this. It means to like an army moving forward, like moving in triumph. That has served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Check this out. The Apostle Paul is in prison. He's under house arrest. This isn't his last imprisonment in Rome. His last imprisonment, the memortime prison, which you could still go to Rome and visit where he was, down in the dungeon. And he wrote 2 Timothy from there, if you know that and may remember that. But this is, he's under house arrest, and they're sending the palace guard. So there's a Roman soldier that's coming to guard him every day. But Paul can still have people come visit him. And so what Paul realizes is, wait a minute, there's a guard here all the time, and they're changing these guards about every two to three hours. And Paul's like, dude, i got a captive audience, you know? And so people are coming to visit. He's having Bible study. He's talking about faith in Christ. And he's like, hey, man, what do you believe? You know, he starts talking to these guards, and every two or three hours, they're rotating through. And Paul's going, these are the guys, as they come to know Christ, they're going out all over the world. They're going out and they're telling their friends about Jesus. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. God put me here for a reason. I didn't plan this. I don't want to be in prison. But, but God had a plan and it's bigger than I can see. See, when you're a servant of Christ, you don't have to live as a slave to circumstances. You, you don't have to live your life as a slave to circumstances. But as a servant, you could go, wait a minute. I may not have thought I was gonna be here at this point in my life, but I'm here now, and maybe God's got a bigger purpose. In fact, I know he does. Let me look around. I didn't think I'd still be living in an apartment. I wanted to be living in a house, but I'm living in an apartment right now, and so maybe there's people around me that need to hear about Jesus. You know, I didn't think I'd still be at this job. I wanted to be at another job. Why am I still at this job? Well, maybe God's not finished with me here yet. Maybe God's got a bigger plan or purpose. Hey, I didn't want to have a flat tire today, and I could be bitter and I could be angry, I could be upset. Or wait, maybe God wants me to share some hope with this mechanic that's getting ready to pull up, or the shop I'm going to be in, or maybe there was something that was going to happen if I continued on down that path that wasn't going to be good, and maybe God is slowing me down. All of a sudden, I'm not a slave to circumstances. I'm just saying, God, open my eyes. (laughs) Because you've got a plan and purpose for wherever I find myself today. There is joy in that. There is hope in that. There is peace in that. There is excitement that you and I are a part of advancing the gospel in our day and in our generation. And Paul lived that kind of life. He says, hey, listen, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition Not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Paul's going, you know, there's a lot of talk out there. But Paul didn't live in personal resentment. He didn't live in personal jealousy. He didn't look around and say, oh, wow, something else is better out there. He just lived for Christ. You know, I think sometimes we can get in that mindset and become territorial. And God's doing a great work. And wherever God is working, we ought to be praying, you know? I pray for all the churches around in our community. I pray God would bless every church and, and that churches would thrive. I mean, we can't, as Rolling Hills, reach everybody, but it's going to take lots of churches. I pray for all the churches in our nation. I pray for churches throughout the world that God would raise up believers. You know, we can't do everything, we're a team. We're a part of a bigger body, a bigger story. And Paul realized that. He said, yes, and I continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now look at these two things. Did you see these two things? He said, through your prayers, right, the prayers of the church, don't fight the battle alone. I mean, even the Apostle Paul wasn't a Lone Ranger Christian, Okay. He knew he needed the body of Christ. You need the body of Christ. I need the body of Christ. Through your prayers, pray for one another. I mean, we pray through every prayer request that comes in. We pray. It's important. But also through the spirit of Jesus Christ. So realize that you have a church that's with you. Realize that Christ is with you through the spirit of Christ. That God will deliver you. That God will bring you through whatever you're facing. That God has a bigger plan. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul didn't know if he was going to live. I mean, he didn't know. You know, they crucified Jesus, right? So he's thinking, I'm in prison. They crucified Jesus. Pretty good chance I'm not going to get out of this prison alive, you know? But look at verse 21. This is the key verse. If you underline your Bible, underline this verse because this is the key verse in Philippians. Here's what he says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Isn't that powerful? Paul goes, hey, God, whatever your will is, if you want me to live, continue in this world, hey, great, I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep furthering your kingdom. I'm going to keep planting churches. I'm going to keep doing missions. I'm going to keep praying for the people around me. I'm going to keep being a part of the body of Christ. But God, if you choose to take me home, hey, to die is game. (laughs) I'm going to be with you. See, you don't have to be a, a slave to fear and to go, you know what? I mean, if something happens to me, no, 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 God's sovereign. God's in control. God's got a plan. And Paul goes, for me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And then he keeps going. He kind of expands on that. And he says, For if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. And he's like, well, I don't get to choose anyway. But God's sovereign. He's in control. But I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, right? Heaven, eternity. It's going to be awesome, amazing. Can't wait. Uh, but... It is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. God's not finished with me. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy, there it is again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Paul goes, listen, I I would much rather be in heaven than in this prison but I know God's going to deliver me and I know God's going to continue to use me. There's still breath in my lungs. and As long as there's breath in my lungs, I'm like, I'm all yours, God. You know what? There's still breath in your lungs. There's still breath in my lungs. God's not finished with any of us. So he says, church, verse 27, whatever happens, whether I live or whether I die, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, You live for Jesus. You go wholehearted for Jesus. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Paul says, church, church, whatever happens to me, you, number one, stand firm in Christ. You stand firm in Christ. You hold on to Jesus. And secondly, secondly, you stand united in Christ. You hold on to one another. You encourage one another. You build one another up. You are a part of the church. The church. And the church is God's vehicle for accomplishing His work in the world. Several years ago, I was... Um, in Boston. I was meeting with a guy over at Harvard, and I was walking down the sidewalk of uh, the Charles River. And I looked over, and uh, if you've known, many of you have all been to Boston, and you've seen maybe this at the Charles River, but there was this rowboat out there. And I looked over at this rowboat, and I saw this crew team out on the Charles River, and, and, I, and I looked at them, and I thought, that's the church. I mean, I just looked at these This robo, and I thought, how cool is that? Because when you look at this, right, it says contending as one man for the faith. And I thought, these guys are contending as one man. They are all in this, and yet they are individually giving their best, right? They are individually in there, and they've got the oars, and they're pulling with all of their might. They are pulling with everything they have, but they're one, There's not some guy sitting back there like eating a sandwich going, hey, good job guys. You know, you're rocking, way to go. Or he's got a soda. There's not some guy sitting back there with a sunglass. They're all in it. And I thought, that's the church. That's us using our gifts. And whether you have the gift of leading worship, whether you have the gift of teaching sixth grade girls, whether you have the gift of logistics and you do parking or ushering or whether you have the gift of prayer and you pray for the body of Christ, whether you have the gift of giving or whether you have the gift of missions or whether you have the gift of serving. We are contending as one man, giving our best, wholehearted for the glory of God. And I thought, that's church. That's awesome. And I want to be in that rowboat right there, you know. <laughs> Let's go. That's exciting. And he says, without being frightened. He's like, don't live in fear. You know, don't live in fear. You live in faith. You know that God is with you. You know that God is for you. Contending as one man for the gospel. He says, this is the sign to them outside of the church that they will be destroyed. But that you will, through the church and through Christ and what he's done for us, will be saved. And that by God. For it is, it has been granted to you. On behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Now, we love the believe part, right? We don't like the suffer part. (laughs) But, But he says to believe on him and also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Hey, there will be tough times that come in life. You know, we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. There will be tough times. There will be people who don't understand, who put Paul in prison, you know, and didn't understand what God was doing in the world. But you guys, we're called to live. We're called to live wholehearted. We're called to live passionately for the glory of God. Regardless of times are great, and maybe you're in a great season of life right now, praise God, celebrate, or where the times are hard, but you don't give up, you don't back down, you don't quit, you don't walk away. You say, God, how can you use me right here? What do you want to do through me right now? Because here's the fact, here's the fact, here's the fact. Your worth and your value doesn't come in what the world says. Your worth and your value is not based on how much money you make or what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in. Your worth and your value is based on Christ. And when you and I begin to understand that and understand what God has done for us through Jesus, how God loves us more than we can even imagine, hey, we want to live boldly. So here's four questions as we close this morning. Four questions for you to think about. Number one is this. Are you living the Christian life wholehearted? Or for all you English majors, wholeheartedly, okay. Uh, Are you living the Christian life wholehearted? Are you completely in? Are you following? Not that you're perfect. None of us are. We've all made mistakes. We all mess up. But are you saying, I want to follow God. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Number two is this. Are you living a life of joy in Christ? I mean, Paul's in prison and he has joy, okay? And I'm not saying like it's happy all the time, you know, but but is there a joy that permeates? Do you realize that you are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords? (laughs) That ought to give you some joy. God, thank you, thank you, thank you that you're with me and that you're for me. Number three is this. Are you contending as one man with others for the gospel? Are you in the boat, right? Are you a partner in church? Are you a part of the body of Christ? Are you using your gifts some way to further God's kingdom? And that leads to number four. Number four is this. Are you advancing the gospel? Are you advancing the gospel? Not just building your own kingdom, but saying, how can I, for the glory of God, move the gospel forward, the good news of Christ? Guys, this is awesome for us. This is gonna be an amazing study, but God is calling you, God is calling me, not just to have like a part-time faith, not just to have a when it's convenient faith, not just to have I'll show up whenever faith, but to have a faith that follows God with everything we have, and with everything we are. And that's when the Christian life comes alive.
0: Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ, and we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.